0: Just be thankful in your heart and seal the things He's done in your spirit. Don't Let the spirit of doubt come in and try to steal anything away. Let your mind wander on what God has done and what God is doing. Stand and believe. See the works of the Lord in your body, in your children, in your mind. Begin to thank Him, begin to worship Him. Give you all glory and praise. Father, seal these things by the blood of Jesus that nothing would steal them away. Cause a spirit of courage to rise up in your people. We thank you, Father, for your love. We thank you for your grace. Bless your people this morning. Help us to hear. I need you, God. I need you more than I ever have in my life. As I get closer to you, the more I realize I need you, I need you, I need you more and more and more. So let your word come as your word, as your glory, as your strength, as your ability. We bless you, Allah. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, guys. I appreciate y'all. Um, yeah, there they go. If you uh, if you have kids and you want to send them back to the Sunday school room, you you're more than welcome to do that. If you want to keep your children with you, that's totally fine as well. Uh, for those of you who are new, if, if you need it, we have a little room over here off to the side for mothers to take care of their babies if they need it. There should be everything you need back there. Um, that's available for you as well. Um, real quick, somebody dropped $20 right here in the front uh, on their way in. Is this anybody's? Does anybody remember walking in with a folded 20 and or had it in their pocket and otherwise I'm going to donate it to the Lord (laughs) it's yours okay I guess it's mine so (laughs) I'll donate it to myself since it was in my wife's pocket and she takes money out of my wallet I'll finally get revenge not revenge that's a bad way to put that blessed Um, amen praise God how many of you guys are happy to be with each other this morning it's always good to be with God's people there's a certain aura if you will or an energy I don't like using the word aura but that's what the world uses it's there's a power in the people of God and when the Holy Spirit is just present in our midst and in our person there's just such a blessing that comes from being together and being in one And it's like a family reunion every weekend and every time we get together at home groups. And so if you haven't um, tried coming to our home groups yet, um, we we encourage you to do that. This, I don't know, to me, this Sunday morning is awesome. I love it when we get together and do this. But I I see this more as like um, more evangelism. You know, we're trying to build something in your heart and mind that's so strong and powerful that you begin to love something other than yourself. Right. And then when you finally love something other than yourself, then you actually come to what we call true church, which is home group. Because in home group, that's when we actually get to follow the biblical order of what the church should be. See, this isn't church the way the Bible's written. You guys realize that, right? You studied your word and realize that this isn't church. This is like a conference meeting once a week. Church is whenever people get together and share hearts and lives and Break bread in fellowship, and each one comes with a song, a hymn, a spiritual song, and the body heals itself, and gives to itself, and delivers to itself, and uh, it's not a one-man show. And that's what we call church today is some one-man show, that 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 people choose their churches based upon the man leading it. And I think that's personally wrong, but um, it's where our society is, so that's where we we do this to meet people where they're at and then hopefully invite them to something deeper so we encourage you to come to that um the topic i am on right now and i'm not sure how long i'm going to be on this so there's so much to it it's overwhelming to me uh how many of you guys were here last week oh, yeah. so you can might enjoy that last week oh, my God. It's, it, I feel so unworthy and unable because when you're trying to unpack something like the wisdom of God, I mean, that's that's not touchable by human mentality or hands. There's no intellect or logic that can unpack those things. So even in the in the address of the wisdom of the Lord, we need the wisdom of the Lord, especially there's nobody that has the corner market on the wisdom of God. The Holy Spirit is the wisdom of God. Christ is the wisdom of God. And that's the image in which we're trying to press ourselves into. And so when I talked about wisdom last week, I think maybe I hopefully shook some foundations of intellectualism inside of you enough to do you realize stepping back going, maybe I don't have wisdom as much as I need to, or maybe I'm not operating in it as much as I need to, because wisdom is not knowledge and it's not understanding. they are three different things. And Wisdom isn't being smart. Wisdom isn't being shrewd according to the world. Wisdom is God's ability to win a human heart that doesn't want to be won. That's why you're here. Because God won a human heart that didn't want to be won. Even, uh, even those of you who think that you came to the Lord because you were seeking him, <laughs> let me ask you the question, where did that desire to seek him come from? Yes. It did not come from you. So your very inception was from the wisdom of God, overruling and overriding through intelligence beyond earthly comprehension to gain some sort of awakening in you, to bring you to a reality that is no longer opposed to the reality that God created. And it took wisdom to bring you into this life, took wisdom to bring you into Christianity. It took wisdom to be able to to release unto you the things of the Lord. And it's going to take wisdom for us to be able to do the same for others. They don't need your bible study and your theology and your intellect you understand that that is that is more what we call understanding you with me when you're smart on a topic and you understand the ins and outs of something because you've done it long enough you have the spirit of understanding about a specific issue but do you realize that just because you're walking down the street that the spirit of understanding that you have on any given topic does nobody any good. Does it make sense to you? Yes. And like wisdom, understanding is not for yourself, even though we think it is. Many people try to get understanding and wisdom because they want to be seen as better than what they really are. They want to be full of wisdom because they want people to embellish them and be seen as something smart, intelligent, worthy to be followed. Because frankly, people have a very low value system of themselves. So they try to extract it from others by being powerful, prestigious. And if they feel like they can be operating in wisdom, that's going to give them that self-satisfaction that they're desiring when it really won't. But just because you understand something doesn't mean that that helps anybody. You with me? Everybody in here, I love what Abraham Lincoln said. He he said, um, there's nothing more ignorant than an educated man. (laughs) If you get him off the subject he was educated in. And there's certain things in here that you derive a degree of pride and power from because of knowledge and education. But many times that degree of understanding that you have causes you to put yourself in a place over people instead of under them. When the wisdom of God took him down to the lowest place he could possibly go, and then he went even lower than that. I'm going to ask you this question this morning. Is your knowledge, is your wisdom posturing you below people or above them? Because if it's posturing you above them in your own mind's eye or whatever it might be, how you're right and they're wrong, you have no wisdom. You have judgment masquerading as wisdom. You have a critical spirit. That's saying it's full of wisdom, but it's really just focused upon the fact that somebody did you wrong because you were right. And all that is is a self-exaltation of of one's own opinion. Because that's what we do when we look at situations where we judge things that are right and things that are wrong. We're doing it based upon our understanding of the situation. True or not? And how many of you can also admit that in any given situation, even if you manage to think that you know what's right and wrong, how many of you would actually admit that you know absolutely every nook and corner and cranny of that situation? You know everything about it. But yet you're still qualified to be able to to make past judgment. Right? They shouldn't have hurt me. But do you know every nook and cranny of that person's situation that caused them to be where they are? And you know what oftentimes people say that they shouldn't have hurt me but you know what if you would have actually had wisdom you probably wouldn't have got linked up with that person in the first place but you want to make it their fault yeah i know that doesn't go well with most people your therapist wants to make it all about somebody else and then you're okay and it's going to be all right but that's not what scripture does If you had wisdom, you would have listened to people in your life saying, Hey, don't go that way. Don't hang out with those people. Wisdom postures you in the position of blessing so that you can be poured out for somebody else's need. Does this make sense? How many of you guys realize most of your problems in your life right now are because you didn't walk in wisdom? And now you're just bitter because somebody else was a child of the world. <laughs> Everybody who hurt you is a child of the devil and, and you blame them for being so. If, if that statement doesn't make sense to you, then I encourage you to go read your Bible. Because Jesus calls people children of the devil. They're sons of god and then they're sons of the devil they're two totally different people two totally different beings you with me so it, i encourage you to go back and listen to last week's message if, if you can it's online and eric does a great job putting it on podcasts so your favorite podcasting streaming thing you can just google proclaiming jesus and it'll come up on there it should i want you to turn to genesis chapter 3 we need wisdom most of us want wisdom because of how it's going to benefit our future but wisdom in its purest form benefits somebody else's future at your expense you with me we want wisdom for good business dealings and all this type of stuff when I can prove to you in Scripture that if you actually take wisdom and posture it in the right context, in the right order, that that wisdom will always be for the betterment of somebody else. And then because of that, you'll, you'll be blessed as a byproduct. But most of us want wisdom to be blessed as a prime product. We want it to work in our family, in our marriage, in our business, and all these types of things. And we think wisdom is given to us to, to excel in something when it's actually given to us um, for others. Okay. Um, Genesis chapter 3, we're going to be starting in verse 6. This is the beginning. You guys understand this is where it all started. This is where, all, this is where it all went wrong. This is why all of us are have had to have hard lives this moment right here so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and was pleasant to the eyes i'm going to read it from my translation here it says now when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was a thing of lust for the eyes and that the tree was desirable for imparting wisdom She took of its fruit and ate. And she gave it to her husband, which was with her, and he ate. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made for themselves loin coverings. And then after that, they began to blame one another. (laughs) See, when somebody doesn't walk in wisdom, we always say it's somebody else's fault. And then we walk away as if we're the innocent one. In the midst of all pain is also blame. There is no, the only pure pain we can actually have is the pain where we're sacrificing ourselves for someone else in love. Any other pain is going to be filled with blame. Find blame in your life and I will lead you to a source of pain. And that source of pain was because you weren't walking in wisdom in that season of your life. make sense yeah. this woman saw that this thing was able to impart wisdom this fruit but let me tell you something anytime you want the fruits of god without the spirit of god you're going to be deceived by the enemy yeah. see we want patience but we want we want patience without the holy spirit we want patience without the pursuit because those gifts of the holy spirit are listed in galatians are things we want in our life They're attributes we want in our life true or not how many want to be you know how many want those things love joy peace patience kindness goodness all those types of things we want those in our life but you know why we want those in our life we want those in our life so we'll feel comfortable about who we are wow. we want those in our life so that we will be a better person we want those in our life so that we don't have to deal with anguish and because we don't like the opposite of peace we don't like the opposite of patience We don't like like the opposite of kindness. And so because we don't like the opposite of those things, we want the thing that's the antagonism to it. And we want it for ourselves. Does that make sense? So we want the gifts of God without the Spirit of God. We want to have all these things operating in us without the dependency on the Holy Spirit. Because to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit means you don't get to use those gifts for anything other than what he wants them used for. And do you know how he wants those gifts used? For other people. You show me a Christian who has not broken bread and poured out wine to somebody in their life, to a lot of people in their life who are, who are going low and serving people, I will show you a very frustrated Christian. Drunk on their own Reception of the things of God with no outlet, desiring more while giving less. Does it make sense? The most the most frustrated people I know spiritually are the ones who don't give anything, but yet want everything. And they they deceive their own hearts by saying, well, I want the Lord. I want the Lord in fullness. I want revival. I want the power of God. I want all these things in my life. I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. But I'm not willing to give. I'm not willing to show up. I'm not willing to sacrifice. I'm not willing to serve. I'm not willing to put anybody before me. When it comes down to it, it will be me and my house first. And everybody else is going to suffer before that. And those are very spiritually frustrated people. I'm telling you it's hundred percent it's a hundred percent when I sit with people in counseling sessions and I start seeing spiritual frustration I know immediately they're not a giving person they may tithe and that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about pouring their life out for somebody else becoming that doormat so somebody else can have their feet clean but you can't do that if you're eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil because all you're gonna see is where everybody else is wrong and where you're right where you disagree with what they're doing. You know, I have a problem with that because if you disagree with what somebody else is doing, they're in a better posture than you are because at least they're the one doing. That make sense? I get criticized all the time about how I'm pastoring. It doesn't bother me anymore because I realize the people who most of the time criticize me are sitting in their armchair (laughs) (laughs) and they're not doing anything. So I would rather be active and be wrong than sitting on my talent, waiting for Jesus to come back. So, so this woman wanted something for herself. In other words, the lie was this. You are not like God, and if you take this, you will be like God. So she wanted something other than God to make her like God. See, the whole goal was spiritual maturity for her. That's what wisdom. We want wisdom. We want joy. We want love. We want peace as Christian people. But you know what? We want them so that we can be like God. When Jesus already made us like himself on the cross, we just don't believe that. So we're looking for something else to be able to make us like him. That's why we're confused. We're not operating in wisdom. What is wisdom? I mean, it's really simple. It's Christ. Paul says Christ has been made the wisdom of God what did Christ do he sacrificed himself for other people he did not live unto himself he did not live unto his family he lived unto the kingdom of God and it changed the world see most people have a very selfish version of Christianity it's all about them And if it's not about them personally, as a byproduct, it, it, it ends up blessing them personally. It's all about how my husband's not this. Why? Because if my husband was this, I wouldn't have to deal with all that, and I would be satisfied. If my kids weren't like this, if I could get them to the change, if they could have this in their life, da, da da then I would be relieved because I wouldn't have to deal with dot, 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 dot. Does this make sense? If my wife wouldn't, if she would just stop doing this, then I dot, dot, dot. Like something else is going to make you like Jesus. Like something else is going to give you the peace you need. Like something else is going to be there for you. Like that's going to be the key to everything in your life. When, when Paul says that in Christ you've been given everything. Yet most Christians' prayers are postured in such a way as if they have nothing. Are you with me? So, so this kind of wisdom that she wants always ends in death because it's for herself. It's for herself. I talked about the necessity of wisdom last week. Now I'm talking about the, the, uh, uh, the purpose of wisdom. Why is wisdom given? Why is wisdom here? I referenced it last week, and I don't have time because I've got so many scriptures we're going to have to go through. But I, I referenced last week that, that wisdom is always used to build the house of God always in Proverbs chapter 8 wisdom is personified as a woman we talked about that last week it's the Holy Spirit she says this I was present before the worlds were ever made I watched God create the universe I rejoiced in seeing the sons of men I mean she was there before anything ever happened and, and, and the Bible says that by wisdom, the worlds were made. So wisdom was 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 for us, the world wasn't created for the Holy Spirit. True or not? Help us out. Come on, guys. I mean, do God make this whole thing and go, oh, Holy Spirit, you now have a place to live. I won't let anybody else live there, but you No, it's created for us wisdom created something for something other than itself and it rejoiced when it saw someone thriving in what it created does it make sense that was the first indica- indication of wisdom being used in scripture to build something the second place in scripture it talks about something being built as an exodus let's let's go there chapter 28 See, see you got to understand that in this, this spooky spiritual Christianity that some people pursue, they, they want wisdom in order to gain power, spiritual status, and to escape their own mediocrity. They feel like wisdom is going to give them the place where they can finally hold the microphone. No, all that does is give you a greater accountability to be judged. That's all that does. That's just, you know, have that. It's not that great. Most time people don't listen anyway. See, earthly spirituality many times can look like power, prestige, position, prominence, and the praise of men. None of which satisfies the human heart. Everybody wants to be on the stage because it's going to fulfill them. And they're not even fulfilled by God himself if we're not fulfilled by God himself what makes us think if we're gonna be fulfilled doing his work listen because if you don't work with God God's work will wear you out if you work for God instead of with him you will have no strength at the end of the day because you're working from the wrong energy source and his joy will not be your strength it doesn't say your joy will be your strength. We th- we always want to be happy. Like, like that's like that's gonna make us happy or something. You know, it's like, no, no. It says his joy, making him happy, makes you strong. You with me? When you live your life in wisdom for other people, other people are happy because of the burden you bear for them. Let's let's go on. I, I need to prove it in Scripture okay Exodus chapter 28 I'm gonna read a bunch of verses here so bear with me please please don't vegetate in your head this is God speaking to Moses and it says Exodus twenty-eight verse 2 it says you will make holy garments for Aaron your brother for the glory and for beauty now God's giving Moses the outline of what he wants his people to look like as they come and worship him. This is kind of the mistaken idea of modernism, where we have to put on our suits and ties to go to church. That wasn't the point. The point was man bearing and looking like God looked when he came into God's presence, full of splendor. With me? And so he says, you're going to speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, so that they can make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister to me in the priest's office. Why did God pour out the spirit of wisdom upon this man to be able to make the garments of priestness, priesthoodness for Aaron's sake? He didn't give this man wisdom so he could have the best clothing store on the block. Does this make sense to you? He didn't give this guy wisdom so he could excel in business and have entrepreneurship. He gave this guy wisdom so that he could construct something for the glory of God in a community. The wisdom came so that he could adorn the people of God to be like the Father and look like God. His goal in life was to make people under the presence of God look like God himself. That's why wisdom was given to him. It was not for himself. I would even go as far as to say that the the vocation that God has blessed you with, it is not for your success. And if you use it as such, you are operating under the spirit of the world and not the spirit of wisdom. Does this make sense to you? I don't have time to go there, but I'll reference it. Jesus tells a story of a man who gets seriously blessed by the wisdom he has and by his cunning uh, stewardship and his ability to make money and he has all this stuff and he says what do I do you know my barns are full what do I do he says I know what I'll do I'll tear down my old barns I'll build bigger ones to hold all my substance and Jesus says you're a fool in other words the fool is the contrast to wisdom you made it about yourself and you stored up for yourself and you missed the entire point and now your soul is required of you. Tonight you die and face me on everything I gave you. He did not work in wisdom, though the world would say, What a wise man! Look how accomplished and how successful he is. Because the wisdom of God is completely countercultural to what we've created down here. You with me? Exodus 31 verse 1, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, See, I've called by name Bezaleel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God, and I've filled him with wisdom and understanding and in knowledge. This is one of the few guys in the Bible that had all three running through him. The Spirit of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Why? Why did God give this man the Spirit of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding? So he could be a great preacher and call himself Apostle so-and-so before his name or title himself. So that he could work cunning works. To create in gold and silver and brass and the cutting of stones to set them in carvings of wood and to work all manner of workmanship for my temple. See, they're building a temple here. God's giving outlines of how he wants it built, And he he, he fills people with his spirit to build that house. I'll get to it later. But Paul calls himself a wise master builder. Wisdom to build the house of God. Anytime you see somebody under a form of selfish Christianity where they're not involved or they're making excuses. You're seeing people who are not operating according to the wisdom of God. They're operating according to the wisdom of the world. What benefits them, their family, their life, their issues. And, and everything becomes about And they expect everyone to serve them. And they, they choose the church based upon how it makes them feel. Instead of choosing a body about, based upon how it makes God feel. Are you with me? Exodus 35 verse 21. It says they all came. This is still in the construction of the temple. Everyone whose heart had stirred him up, everyone whose spirit was made willing, they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the house of the congregation. For all of God's service and for the holy garments, they came both men and women as were willing-hearted, and they brought bracelets and earrings and rings and tablets and jewels of gold, and every man that offered an offering unto the, uh, of the Lord an offering of gold. You have all these people whose hearts stirred them up to build the temple of God, and they took their own increase and their own substance and the things that they that they thought were theirs, and they brought them to the Lord, and they let God use them in the building of the temple. This isn't a tithing sermon. I'm talking about you have things in your life that you're using for you and not the Lord. And you're miserable because of it. The more you pour into yourself, the more you're in an antagonistic understanding to what God has called you into. Which is why there's a conflict in your spirit. Christianity does not make sense when you live it for yourself. It never will. It's oil and water and you can shake that vessel till the day you die and it will never merge as one. Does it make sense to you? Sometimes spiritual growth is not complicated. It's in the act of laying yourself down so someone else can be closer to Jesus instead of you. And then you find this times of refreshing come back to your life. And all of a sudden the Spirit of the Lord becomes accessible again if you make your entire if you make your entire life about the secret place that's not wise even Jesus didn't do that am I against the secret place no but if you spend your whole life there you'll never fulfill the, the purposes of God for your generation you have to become broken for people and serve them in such a way that it pushes them closer to Jesus, even if it feels like it pushes you farther away. That's the apostolic understanding. But Paul even said, I wish I was cursed so that my brothers could come to know Messiah Jesus. Every man, verse 23 with whom was found blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and skins of rams and badger skins he brought them everyone did offer an offering of silver and brass unto the lord's offering every man who was found uh wood for any work of the service they brought it and all the women that were wise-hearted they spun with their hands and they brought that which they had spun both blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and all the women whose hearts stirred them up in wisdom they spun goat's hair and the rulers brought onyx stones and stones to be set for an ephod, for the breastplate and spice for light and anointing oil and sweet incense. And the children of Israel brought a willing offering unto the Lord, every man and woman whose heart was made willing to bring all of the manner of the work which the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses. This is a people coming together under the spirit of wisdom to build something other than their own life. I think really honestly in my opinion one of the reasons why we don't see revival in this country is because we see so much division in people's pursuits under the umbrella of christianity we think fasting and prayer is going to make it work no now do you know when revival happened in acts chapter 2 is when they were all in unity It wasn't so much the fasting and the praying. It was the waiting and the unity before the Lord. They were all in one accord. Everybody was there for the same singular focus and purpose. That's where power comes. Have you not read when God looks at the children building the Tower of Babel and he says nothing will be impossible for them if we don't stop this? That, that verse really messes with my theology. Because God, it's God who said nothing will be impossible for them. I mean, I think God has a pretty good understanding of what nothing would be impossible means. And he's not a liar. I think they were on the verge of something that we haven't even figured out. And they weren't right with him. It scares me to understand to this to this day that the 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 house of the devil is more unified than the church of jesus seriously you know we, we a few years ago we had uh black lives matter come to the to harrison and i just thought you know we need to love those people and, man, I was fully expecting, like, tons of churches to be there and just, like, we're going to overwhelm all these dudes, you know? Like, we're just going to be, I, I just, they, we all knew it was happening and there was some chatter about it. I'm like, yeah, we're, we're getting in on this, you know? Like, we're, we're going to, like, pass out water bottles and just wear free hug shirts and just love on people. And, and that's what we did. We showed up. And, and you know what? We were the only church out there except for one religious organization that had two people and they were beating them over the head with scripture. And I thought, where's the, where's the church? Like, these guys are more unified than we are. Mm -hmm. You know why people didn't come? I kept, I was like, hey, we we were just kind of afraid. We didn't want to put our people in jeopardy or in danger. Like, well, that's kind of the gospel, isn't it? (laughs) Like, if you haven't realized that you're dead already, then I don't know what you're trying to save. prolonging the frailty of humanity isn't going to make you more right with Jesus. You have to get off the planet. You need to meditate on that someday. You need to really meditate that you have to get off this planet. The easy part was here. You're here. You don't even know how you got here, but you're here. Now you have to get off. And wisdom is not self-preservation. Does this make sense to you yeah. what I'm trying to tell you this morning is is that if you want a spiritual recharge to your life try making something about somebody else and do it for a while and stop focusing on what you disagree with with how people are doing stuff because it's frankly none of your business you're not gonna be held accountable for their work Y'all love me, don't you? Yeah, Say it. I love you, Pastor Chad. Yeah. All right. Exodus 36, verse 1. Convince yourself of it later. God brought um, Bezalel and Aloib, or whatever his name is. He says, every wise-hearted man in whom God put the spirit of wisdom and understanding to work all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary, according to all that commanded, the God who commanded you see this see when God gives you something you think it's because he's blessing you no. No. that's what we think right. and then it's real spiritual people you ask them, well how are you doing I'm blessed brother what I want to always say is well, what are you doing with your blessing right. yes. that's what I want to say but I realize that just cause a fight and I'm just like oh. <laughs> thank you Jesus we're gonna move on what are you doing with your blessing? See, God God gives a a a warning here in Deuteronomy. He says, Listen, Israel, unto the statutes and the judgments which I've given you, and to do them, that you may live. This is Deuteronomy 4 1. and says, Go and possess the land which I've given you. Don't add to the word which I've commanded you. Don't diminish from it. Keep the commandments of God which I've commanded you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord has done in Belpeor, and all the men that followed Belpeor, and the Lord had destroyed them from among you, but you didn't cleave to the Lord with your heart. He says, because I've taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord has commanded that you should uh, you should do so in the in the land where you possess it. Keep them. This is your wisdom. And this is your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear these statutes and say, surely this great nation is wise and an understanding people for what nation is so great that God has done such good things to them. What he's saying here is this. He says, if you live according to the way I've commanded you to live, this is your wisdom, that people will see how you're living and they'll see what you're doing and they'll bring glory to me. Does This make sense. He says, if you do what I'm telling you to do, then people were going to bring praise back to my name by wisdom, by your wisdom. By your wisdom, by how you live, by how you follow my commands, by how you do what I've asked you to do. What did Jesus ask us to do? Love one another. I'll give you another one, Deuteronomy 34.9, Joshua, the son of Nun, full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid hands on him, and the children hearkened unto Joshua as they hearkened unto uh, the Lord through Moses. Why did Joshua have the spirit of wisdom resting upon him? Because he postured himself in a position of leadership. Do you want to know who are going to be the most wise people you ever meet in your life? Those who've chosen to lead others at their own expense in in time frames that are greater than most people are willing to do. And you're gonna see the spirit of wisdom come on those people. Why? Because not because God has so much placed it on them, but because they've chosen to lead God's people. And when God chooses somebody to lead his people, he knows they need a spirit of wisdom. Yeah. Do you realize that Joshua was the one of the people that chose himself? Does this make sense to you? Yeah. Go read the story. Joshua was constantly hanging around Moses, constantly hanging. If Moses went to the mountain, Joshua went to the mountain. I mean, everywhere, every time Moses turned around, there's Joshua there's Joshua, there's Joshua, there's Joshua, there's Joshua, there's Joshua, there's Joshua. And he's like, hmm, you must be a leader. He's like, no, I just want to be like you. And that's, who's God, that's who God's waiting for. Is every time somebody turns around, a leader turns around, there they are, there they are, there they are, there they are. I'm like, oh, man, you know. And if you put yourself in that position, wisdom will overtake you. Why? Because wisdom's not for you. If you find yourself having to constantly you know, be in people's lives and help them through difficulties, and you realize I gotta fast and pray and seek Jesus because now I'm a, I'm accountable for their soul. And you get on your face for them, you start praying, God's gonna give you the spirit of wisdom. Why? Because you've placed yourself in front of them for their betterment. Does this make sense? Some of you have been with me a while, you know that there's things that pop out of my mouth every once in a while that are really like humdingers and make you have to go think, you know? And you think, well, you know, man, you just naturally like that. No. <laughs> I say it all the time. You should have heard my first sermon I ever preached. It was the most atrocious thing you've ever heard in your life, it was horrible. But because I kept posturing myself in front of people, and because I kept serving people, and because I kept faithful, and because I didn't quit, and because I stayed before the Lord, and because I kept wanting the best for His people, God began to give me revelation. If you want revelation, give people revelation. If you want wisdom, give people wisdom. If you want somebody to serve you, you serve somebody else. This is how the kingdom that we're involved in works. And if you try to work it any other way, you are going to stagnate spiritually. And you'll hold your theology well. And you'll convince people that everything that you believe is right. But you have no life inside of you. And the people you try to minister to, especially in your home, won't receive it. Yeah. See, it's easy. We want to go out and minister to others because it may, those people don't know your garbage. And so it's easier to minister to them and, and feel good about that. But if your own wife won't receive from you, you have a problem. You're not operating in wisdom. You have to learn how to walk in wisdom toward those that are without, the Bible says. Instructing those that oppose themselves. That's crazy to me that people oftentimes are their own opposition. And yet you hear them like, oh, the devil's just beating up on me. No, that's you doing that to you. There's not enough demons, guys. Only one third of them fell away. we outnumber them so they just make you their little wind-up toy and gear your mind to attack yourself and guess what you do their job for them and they don't have to and they can go focus on somebody who's bigger and more powerful than you that's how it works they can actually focus their attention on somebody who is serving the gospel Instead of selling them serving themselves and using the gospel as the tool to get themselves to where they want to be are you with me uh first chronicles 22 6 this is david he's about the end of his life he called Solomon his son charged him to build the house of god for israel this is what david tells his son build the house of god for god's people That's a pretty good idea. And David said to Solomon, my son, as for me it was in my mind to build the house of the Lord. But the word of the Lord came to me and said, You've shed blood abundantly and have made great wars, and you will not build a house unto my name, because you've shed much blood in the earth in my sight. Why didn't God let David build the house? Because the house of God always has to be built in peace. So when you see unrest inside yourself, you know that the house of God's not being built inside of you, even if your theology is good. You hear me? If peace is not in your home, I don't care what you believe and what scriptures you can quote, or even if you've been a preacher or a minister, it doesn't matter. If peace is not present, you are not building the house of the Lord. The house of the Lord cannot be built in chaos. Even God himself had to bring order to chaos before he created the world. His spirit hovered over the waters and brought rest. Right? The sons of God are what? Peacemakers. Why? Because it's the sons who build the kingdom. We first have to bring peace, then we can build. If you're constantly at war with yourself... You can't build the house of God inside you. Well, I've had all these experiences in these conferences. That just means God was trying to pull you out of your own self-mutilization. You didn't go, and you're just right back there again. Just because he touched you doesn't mean you actually built something from the touch. That's why I see so many people who go to so many conferences and like, Oh, man, it was so lit. It was on fire. And then like, well, two weeks later, dude, you're you're the same kind of dude. (laughs) Nothing's changed. Still full of doubts and fears and questions and worries. Because they think, you know, they think revival is when God's trying to touch our, our natures and pull us out of it. No, revival is when you finally get a hold of the move and the touch that God's given and you actually work it into, into creation. It says, the, the Bible says that, that, that the earth is groaning and for the revealing of the sons of God. Why? Because the earth is under constant torment and chaos through sin. And it, the earth itself is longing for us to stand up and impart peace to it by changing homes and families and cities and governments by the gospel. I even read a report the other day that scientists are now figuring out that they think the earth is, is, a, is, a, is a, uh, a conscious being. I'm like, huh, that's pretty interesting. That's what they said. He says, Behold, a son shall be born to you, whose name shall be a man of rest, and I will give him rest from all his enemies round about, for his name will be Solomon, and I will give him peace and quietness under the days of Israel. This is verse ten first Chronicles twenty-two. He shall build my house for my name. He shall be my son, I will be his father, I will establish my throne in his kingdom over Israel forever. Now the Lord be with you, Solomon, and prosper you, and build the name of the house of the God. Listen to what David says in verse twelve. This is one of the last things he tells over Solomon. He says, May the Lord give you wisdom and understanding and give you charge concerning Israel that you may keep the law of the Lord. David tells Solomon, you have to build my father's temple in rest and you have to build it in wisdom. Fast forward a little bit. Solomon has a dream. That night, 2 Chronicles 1-7, God appeared to Solomon and said, ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said to God, you've shown me great steadfast love to my father. Uh, to David my father and you've made me king in his place so Lord God let your word to David my father be fulfilled for you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth give me wisdom and knowledge so that I can go out and come in before your people for who can govern your people that are so great do do you know uh, when you meet a true leader They're not people who convince you of how great they are. True leaders are people who understand that you are so much more valuable than them that that's the only reason God put them in that position was to serve you because of the value that God's given you. But we in this country turn it around. We look at the leader as the most valuable person and we're the peon whenever it's actually the opposite. That God values you so much that He would give somebody a word like that because it's your word. And you think it's theirs because it's coming out of their mouth when they're just the vessel because wisdom is delivering gold to you. That's why I don't like the pastoral idolization. You can call me Chad, it's okay. Because I won't be your pastor in heaven. That's not going to be, that's, that's not the case. So what I'm going to be in heaven, I might as well be to you now. A servant and a brother in Christ. You with me? See, honor is not a title. It's not a title. It's an action. And you get to choose whether you want to honor by action or not. Nobody can... Demand that from you. I'm not valuable because I can put one of the fivefold gifts before my name on a business card. That actually irritates me. I had a guy one time I heard and I was like, I want to use that so bad. I never have because it's very controversial, but he was in a big conference where everybody had their little fivefold gift before their name and somebody walked up to him and said I'm prophet so-so name what's your name he goes well if you're a prophet you'd you'd know my name <laughs> I was like "Man, that's so good like I, I don't care what the conference has to say after that I can go home I'm good I've, I'm filled up with the, with the wisdom of God I want you I want to read this to you and I, guys I'm sorry this is such a huge topic I don't have time to go everything but I want to read this to you in first Kings 10 this is when the queen of sheba comes and sees the the fruit of Solomon's wisdom. This is a heathen a heathen king queen who comes in and she says it says this in verse 1 of chapter 10 it says when the queen of sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord God so powerful. The fame of Solomon, right? <laughs> concerning the name of the Lord. We just want the fame of Solomon. You know why he had the fame? Because of the elevation of the name of God. See, God gave him all the things you and I want. Riches, wealth, long life. But that's not what he asked for. See, I have people look at me and go, man, you're just so blessed. I just don't understand why you're so blessed. I'm like, maybe because I actually put the kingdom before everything else and the scriptures actually working in my life. Maybe because I'm not actually pursuing blessing, because I really don't care about it, because if God gives it to me, guess what? Most of the time he usually has me give it away anyway. You see what I'm saying? She heard about this, and she says concerning the name of the Lord. She came to prove him with hard questions, and she came to Jerusalem with a very great train of people, camels, more spices, much gold, precious stones. So she came to see Solomon. She communed with him of everything that was in her heart. And Solomon told her all her questions. Did you hear that? It didn't say he he told her all her answers. See, wisdom has the ability to pull out of people the questions that they want to ask, but they don't even ask them. Wisdom sees beyond certain things. Wisdom isn't just being able to give a good answer. Wisdom is seeing the heart of the issue and being able to tell people what what their actual questions are. It cuts away all the demonic, earthly, sensual garbage and says, this is your real issue. (laughs) This is what you're really questioning about life. And that's what we call today a word of knowledge. When somebody comes to the altar and reads your mail and says, this is what you're worried about. This is what's going on in your life. And you're just like, "Ooh, It's the spirit of wisdom. You with me? It's being able to see the question before they even ask it. There was not anything hid from the king which he did not tell her. Wow. Scary. Imagine walking in the presence of somebody so wise that nothing is hidden from you. You walk in and they just know everything about you. They're looking at you going, Well, that's a mess. (laughs) Listen to this, though. And when she saw all of his wisdom, verse four, in the house that he had built, the meat of his table, the sitting of his servants, the attendance of his ministers, their apparel, his cupbearers, the ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit left inside of her. I mean, even the way he walked up into the temple of God was just she was her 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 spirit was just taken away. (laughs) Go read how much. They sacrificed or how much they had to kill every day just to feed Solomon's entourage (laughs) it's ridiculous how many hundreds of oxen they had to slay every day just to feed his table for one day it says in the Bible that, that, that Solomon made gold and silver so common it was like rocks and stone wisdom brings blessing to people you see that his reign was blessing to the people One man's reign was blessing to the people because his heart was for the people. It wasn't for himself. When you get up and go to work every day, if you're going for yourself, for your family, and no more, you are locked from the spirit of wisdom being able to use you in a way other than anything you've you've chosen on your own. You've encapsulated yourself into the fullness of what you can can give. Does this make sense? And this goes beyond just giving money and tithing. She said to the king, it was a true report I heard in my own land of your acts and your wisdom, how I, I didn't believe the words until I came. Listen to this, my eyes saw and behold, half of what was told to me, it was, it was so much, uh, I wouldn't even told half of what, it was, what, I, what was real. Your wisdom and your prosperity exceeds what I've heard. Listen to this, verse eight and nine, happy are your men and your women and your servants, which stand continually before you, that hear your wisdom. The Lord, who delighted in you, set you on a throne over Israel, because Israel loved God, loved Israel for forever. Therefore, He made you a king to do justice and judgment. This lady doesn't even serve Yahweh, and He's saying, she's saying, He placed you over them for these people and for His glory. In other words she had not the spirit of wisdom but when she was around the spirit of wisdom the spirit of wisdom began to come out of her <laughs> so good happy are your manservants i mean you these guys are slaves and they're like oh it's so awesome to be a slave for solomon i mean these guys were blessed like they were so blessed they didn't want to leave his house like, why would we want to leave? We've got everything we need. We've got gold. We've got silver. We, our bellies are full. And we get to hear this guy talk every day. Wisdom is leading in such a way that people who are even in bondage to this earth system don't even realize they're in bondage. Because of the life you're living is so glorious around them and the, the atmosphere you're creating causes them to forget that they're even like in this worldly system. Like you've, you've convinced them of a reality that's just like, wow, this is so real. It doesn't matter what happens out here. Y'all are doing that thing again. Okay. See, Paul prays in Ephesians. He says that, 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 that the God of our Lord Jesus, the Father of glory, would give you the spirit of wisdom and the revelation and the knowledge of him. So Paul prays for the church to have the spirit of wisdom and understanding and knowledge of, of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is now the embodiment of the wisdom of God. How he lived, how he acted, what he said, and how he died is the pattern of our life. And we live anything other than that, we're going to be operating in a spirit of confusion. He says he's praying for them to receive the spirit of wisdom. Watch this. Verse 18, this is Ephesians 1.18. So that the eyes of your understanding would be opened. Now, we don't even see it there, but Paul's talking and indicating of the Genesis 3. See, wisdom that they desired in the beginning opened their eyes not to wisdom, but to the knowledge of good and evil. Not to the knowledge of the Lord. You you with me? When, When Eve ate of that fruit and Adam ate of that fruit, it opened their eyes to the wisdom of the knowledge of good and evil. In other words, it opened their eyes to everything that was wrong. And Paul's now praying for their eyes to be enlightened by the spirit of wisdom, which is the same thing that the... The woman desired so that their eyes would be open to the knowledge of Jesus, which is everything that is right. We, he's praying this for people who are already saved. He's not praying this for people who are heathens. He's praying to good church going law abiding people. You need your eyes opened to Jesus, to know him. Why? Because the church in that day is the same as today. All we can see is what's wrong in ourselves, what's wrong in our wives, what's wrong in our husbands, what's wrong in our children, and what's wrong in the pastor, what's wrong in the churches. And nobody has the ability to to be wisdom in a situation and win hearts to the Lord without even having them realize they're being one. This is why we need Wisdom. Paul felt the need to drop to his knees in the middle of the letter and pray this for these people. You with me? In 1 Corinthians one twenty four. it says that unto those that are called both Jews and Greeks Christ is the power and the wisdom of God. Christ is the power and the wisdom of God. Now, theologically, we'll attest to that in our mind, but where does Christ live? And where does he say the kingdom is? And if Christ is the wisdom and the power of God, what should be coming out of us? What was the greatest act of wisdom the world ever saw? So to take the instrument of death that was the most feared reality on the planet and turn it into an icon of life. To not run from the things of darkness but to so touch them intimately with your pain and your agony and suffering that you transform their identity to where all the world now sees it as a beacon of hope the cross to which people even tattoo their bodies over it and have a little necklace hanging around them. nobody wore that in the first century It was nothing to be desired, but wisdom took the thing of the world that the world said is foolish and stupid and something to be feared and said, I will embrace it in such a way that I will give life and it will no longer take life from people. It will give it to them. That's what happened on the cross. Is that Jesus took the curse and he made it a blessing because of wisdom. So much so that when you hang on your personal tree. If you make it about yourself and your stupid realities, you're robbing people from the blessing of life that you could give them. Does this make sense? You have a responsibility as a believer to bring life to other people. It's not just my job behind this box. God will hold you accountable to the life that he placed inside of you because he believes in that life and he believes in the power of that life and he believes in your ability through him to take the hard things and turn them into life by wisdom because there's two trees that were in that garden the knowledge of good and evil that she wanted to have wisdom and the tree of life and she ate of the wrong one eat of the tree of life today is to partake of the cross of Jesus Christ and make your life no longer about what you want and what you want in your ministry and you want your family and you want in this and you want in that but to really be jealous in your desire for someone to actually have something better than you and to surpass you even because you realize that's the only way you can please the heart of the Father is to give him his children back and you take yourself out of that scenario of being that child to giving him the children he wants this makes sense what is the purpose of wisdom it is for others it always has and it always will be and the moment we begin to make it about ourselves we throw in confusion and chaos to the mix and then we're having to pray for peace again and all the while we don't normally get it because we're creating the chaos while praying for the peace See, wisdom cried in the streets, Proverbs chapter 1, Proverbs chapter 8. Wisdom cries in the streets. Do you realize that Golgotha was placed right along the main highway of coming into Jerusalem? You know that? When they took Jesus out to be crucified, it wasn't just like on the back 40 because nobody else wanted to see it. They did it right where everybody had to walk by so they could see the consequence of, of, of rebelling against the Roman government everybody who walked into Jerusalem that day saw Yeshua Jesus hanging on that cross and everybody heard him scream at the top of his lungs father forgive them for they do not know wisdom crying in the streets Ironically, the tree we ate from, the tree of the knowledge, the tree that gives us the knowing, Jesus says they still don't know what they're doing. Many of you in your life today as believers still don't know what you're doing. You're just trying to get through your day. You have no clue what you're doing. You're just existing, trying to raise your kids or trying to fix your problems or for the young people, trying to figure out where your future is going. All things that God already knows and understands and has figured out. And He says, Forgive them for eating of the tree of knowledge. This was wisdom crying in the streets. What he was saying was that the thing that you ate of is the thing you do not possess. And I am now that new life. And he was asking people to partake of me. The tree of life. Somebody who is able to lay their life down for someone else and make sense of the gospel narrative that we theologically throw around like it's some sort of mental food to be devoured, to make one smart. Now the Bible says knowledge puffs up. So in other words, the more you think you know about something, the greater chance of arrogance you have to walk in. Wisdom will always bring humility. It will cause you to lower yourself below somebody else because wisdom will whisper in your ear, they're more valuable than you are. So then it's not hard to sacrifice for that person because you realize in this scenario it can't be about me. You with me? The greatest form of spiritual drought is a hungry heart that has no outlet these are wells without water clouds with no rain they're modern dead seas so concentrated upon themselves they can produce no life to anything around them but they've got good salt and good theology but when people look at them, they don't go, I want to be like that. Heathen kings don't come and run to your council. Do you realize that's a possibility to become so immersed in the spirit of wisdom that even the world comes to you for advice because they see the glory on your life? we need wisdom the bible says if any man lacks it let him ask of god but what you're really asking for is not just the fruits of the holy spirit it's the posture of the holy spirit that brings you below another brother so you can elevate them even to places you may not be able to go yourself no matter how great your ministry ever will be god if jesus tarries will raise up somebody else to make your ceiling their floor you're expendable so expend raise up people closer to jesus push them to the king serve them and watch your spiritual fire come back to your life People ask me all the time, well, how do I get out of this spiritual oppression that I'm in? I just felt like in the past God was so real to me. And so that's because you were a baby and you needed your diaper changed. And then you've grown up a little bit and God says, if you want to be like me, you gotta make this thing not about you anymore. And the more you give, the more you're blessed, and the more you're blessed, the more you give, and the more you give, the more you receive, and the more you receive, the more you give. And you are you realize that you're just this channel in which God uses to pour out his kingdom elements in your life. If you're not a good communicator, guess what? Learn so somebody else can hear the gospel in your mouth. What well, I can't, that's your problem. You believe you can't. You want to be a good communicator? Guess how that happens? By communicating. If you're not very good at hospitality, practice. I remember a time in my life where I wasn't the kind of person I am now. I love Jesus. I was in my prayer closet. I mean, I spent hours every day with God, five, six hours every day with God. But you know what? I never text anybody and say, hey, bro, how you doing? (laughs) That was so spiritual. It was crazy. Now I realize my whole life's about other people. It's not about me getting blessed in my prayer time. It's, hey, bro, how you doing? Thinking about you. The lord loves you the lord's here for you god hasn't given up on you and guess what the more i pour out to people it's crazy the more he pours in why because he wants to give more to you it's never to stop and go wow look at god gave me a revelation no god didn't give you anything he let you touch it so you could pass it on to who it was actually meant for (laughs) And if everybody thought like that love would come and if love comes nobody prays nobody's praying for patience anymore you know why because love is patient love is kind love does not boast love does not seek its own love is wisdom you can stand with me father we need you in these things I need you God your church needs the spirit of wisdom upon it, same way it rests upon you in Isaiah 11. So I pray those who have hungry hearts, Lord, would have outlets in their lives and they, you would open to them the rivers of life as they give, because they can no more emulate you, Father, than to give for God so loved the world he gave. So not let, don't let us just be peacemakers. Let us be peacemakers so that we can build your kingdom and your glory. And as we build it in others, it'll be built in ourselves. As we desire for others, our desires will be fulfilled. As we love you, Father, as we love others, they will begin to love us. So take those who are hungry in this place, Father, and begin to move in their heart. We repent for making our, our faith about ourselves and our ministries about how it makes us feel. Or, but make us broken bread and poured out wine for, for other people. Because this is the mind of Christ. To esteem your brother higher than you esteem yourself. This is revival. People embodying Jesus, not just being touched by him. we pray this father for your glory and for your namesake that you would have the church that you've always desired and let it be manifested in this generation through us we thank you we love you and we praise you in jesus name amen we welcome you guys back tonight at six o'clock for our worship session if you need to leave you can but if you want to we have food here we would ask that you stay in fellowship with us so we get to know you um, you, you let them give them a few minutes to get that prepared and then you guys are more than welcome to join in with us